This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Simwee Boon. Today, we're going to be talking about taxes and more specifically filing your taxes because the deadline to submit the tax return form for the year of assessment for 2021 via e-filing is this Sunday on May 15th. So that just means that you have a few more days to submit your taxes or face the consequences. So what are some of the tips and things to take note of if you're a last minute tax filer? And what is the consequence if you miss the deadline? Joining me to discuss this is Tanya Malai Sumasundaram, the Managing Director of Tanis Tax Consulting Services. Good morning and welcome to the show, Tanya. Okay, so let's start off with the most important question. I've got a few more days to file my taxes. I'm opening up the form now. I'm looking up for receipts. What are some of the important tax reliefs to claim important things to take note of that you know people commonly forget i think the first thing is remember it's 15th of may that is your deadline midnight 15th of may you should have filed a return and if you do not file a return then penalties will kick in you know uh, so if you submit it within 12 months you know of the due date then there'll be a 15% penalty and if you submit it within 12 and 24 months 30% and thereafter, it will be 45% additional penalty on the tax that you have to pay. That's number one, 15th May. And if you don't submit it on time, you have these penalties. Now, there are lots of reliefs you can actually claim. You know, the reliefs are plentiful. But let me talk about what is new compared to, say, last year. Now you have you can claim an additional 500 ringgits. Remember, you have the lifestyle relief of 2,500 for your sports equipment, for you're buying your books and you're buying your computer, buying your laptops, okay? 2,500 was basic. Then for 2021 and 2020, they gave you 2,500 additionally. So you can buy, this is only for computers, laptops, and notebooks, you know? So if you want to buy a mobile phone, yes. That additional 2,000, so you can claim 5,000 ringgits on that. On top of that, what they've given you in 2021 is for sports equipment and for rental and entry fees to the sports facilities. Like if you're a futsal player, if you want to rent it, then, you know, the facility, then you have an additional 500 and registration fees in sports competitions. So if you want to go on marathons, etc., so they give you an additional. So you totally, if you think about it on lifestyle, you've got the original 2,500 additional 2,500 for the laptops, computers, and phones. Then you get another 500 ringgits for now being a sports person. You know, that's another one. Now, the next one that was addition new is actually upskilling. It was already available for those who want to do master's degrees up to 7,000, you know, and studying up to tertiary level in accounting, law, Islamic finance, you know, and the whole bunch of things, you know, technical, vocational, industrial, as well as scientific skills, you can get 7,000. But within the 7,000, now they've expanded it in 2021, you can claim 1,000 ringgits for upskilling yourself. And that has to be approved by the Director General of Skills Development under the National Skills Development Act 2006. So, the 1,000 is inside the 7,000, but you can now claim that, which was not available in 2020. So it is now available in 2021. Then another one is tourism. Remember, they wanted to promote tourism during this sad period of the COVID. So now, previously, yes, you could have 1,000 ringgits for domestic tourism. You can go to hotels and spend the money. But 
Now, if you buy packages, previously, if you, buy, if you bought tourism packages through local travel agencies, you didn't get it. Now, the 1,000 is available if you purchase a package tour or a package from a local tour agency. Then medical expenses also, if you, they've increased it from 6,000 for medical expenses for, you know, for example, if you have, you know, like, for, you know, originally for 6,000 last year, you could get it for medical expenses for fertility treatment for yourself and your spouse, medical expenses for serious, I said serious diseases for yourself, spouse and child, 6,000. They've increased that to 8,000. And in addition, inside the 8,000, you can now claim up to 1,000 for yourself, child and spouse, vaccination expenses, especially this COVID vaccination. And also... The 500 ringgits was available previously for doing medical checkups. Now you have increased it to, they've increased it to a thousand ringgits. You know, you can go and do medical examination for yourself, spouse and child. And you can also do detection tests, you know, your PCR tests, etc. Up to a thousand ringgits is now given. So previously you can do only medical up to 500, you know, you do your normal tests, uh, you're testing yearly ones to check whether your heart is okay and everything else, 500 ringgits, you know. But now it's up to a thousand ringgits and it includes vaccination and also includes if you do any detection like your PCR tests, you know, so it has, and the total, the whole total is 8,000. Then the other one is, uh, you know, if you have any disabled spouse that has been increased in 2021 to 5,000 from three and a half thousand, and increased also the child relief, you know, care, child care. If you send your children to child care, now the 3,000 ringgit has been extended for not only 2021, but for 2022 and 2023. So, so as far as we are concerned, the only thing I will say on lifestyle relief that they've expanded, remember the two and a half thousand. Previously, you can buy books, journals, you know, newspapers and all that hard copy, electronic copy. But now in 2021, you can buy electronic newspapers inside the 2,500. If you're subscribing for electronic newspapers, it's fine. But inside the 2,500 is sports equipment. Uh, you can buy personal computers, smartphones, tablets for you, yourself, your child, your spouse. And uh, the lastly, I would say that, you know, for medical expenses, expenses on medical treatment for your parents. Previously, in 2020, you can only claim 1,500 for your mother, 1,500 for your father. Now that father-mother business is taken, as long as they are for parents, it can be one or two parents, your total is now increased to 5,000. It's not 3,000, it's 5,000. So it's not bad. It's a pretty good set of reliefs that we have seen. Okay, but I just want to follow up on some of the reliefs that you mentioned. Let's focus up on uh, lifestyle, right? You mentioned electronics. Um, do they matter if it's bought overseas or must it be new? What if I bought it like secondhand from like Carousel, Facebook Marketplace or something like that? It doesn't matter where you buy it from, you know, whether it's overseas or local, that's not the issue. And uh, here, if you bought it secondhand, yes, you can still claim it as long as you have a receipt, you know, because you could have bought it. There are people selling that. And as far as you're concerned, it only says you're purchasing this. Does it? So, so does, does the bank statement count? Because like sometimes when I buy it off like... No, not the bank statement. I think what you do is if you bought it on carousel, then you need the receipt on carousel that you did buy it. And you better print it out and keep it. 
or look for that print. Now, the bank statement alone will not be sufficient because the bank statement doesn't give you enough details. It needs to show proof that the transaction or you have bought it, right? Yes, exactly. If you've gone into a platform like Shopee or somewhere else, you know, and then you have it, you know, if you had that printed out and you have, you know, you have actually made the transaction, usually you have the merchant page, you know, you actually go to the merchant page and you actually download and print it out or save it. You can save it. Don't forget. You don't have to always print it because nowadays the young people actually, they will actually save it into the system. And when you need it in your cloud, you can always pull it down from your cloud, you know, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Boon, and today's topic is taxes because the deadline to submit your taxes via e-filing is this Sunday, May 15. That means you have a couple more days before the deadline hits. And to help us through with some last-minute tax filing tips is Tanir Malai Somasundram, the Managing Director of Tani's Tax Consulting Services. Earlier in the show, we were kind of going through some of the tax filings, claims that you can make, uh, lifestyle, health. Tanya, I want to ask, right, what if you are employed by an overseas company? How does that work? I'll tell you what happens. You know, first of all, we're talking about May 15th is for people who are in employment or do not have business. If you happen to have any business income and you have an employment income, then you actually move to your date, moves to 30th June, then you don't file a Form BE. You are actually filing a Form B. It's a different thing, number one. Number two, if you're employed by a foreign employer, let's assume you're employed by a UK company, you're doing the, you're working in Malaysia for the UK company. I'm, I'm afraid that uh, you are taxable in Malaysia because the word is you're exercising employment in Malaysia. However, if you are working for the UK company and you are actually working outside Malaysia, let's say you are working in Singapore for the UK company, then you're not exercising employment and you will not be taxable in Malaysia on the income you receive. That will be regarded as foreign source income. But if you exercise it in Malaysia, you are taxable in income, you are taxable here and you will have to file taxes as a normal person, you know, and then you look at your resident status, whether, you know, in the simple terms, whether you've been here more than 183 days, but there are many other rules, you know, but generally, once you're a resident and you've been exercising your employment, even if you're a non-resident, if you're, you know, if you're a foreigner who is actually non-resident, who is here for less than 183 days, you're still taxable because you're exercising your employment in Malaysia. So it's in simple terms. You are exercising. Okay. So it doesn't matter whether the money is paid to you in UK, Singapore, Hong Kong. You know, you still have to be, you are still taxed here, despite the fact that the money may not have been remitted into Malaysia. And all the claims that you make are similar to the ones that you outlined earlier, right? There's no exception for what you can or cannot claim, right? Correct. You're entitled to all the reliefs. You know, you're entitled. Uh. As long as you're a resident, you're entitled to the reliefs. If you're a non-resident, and let's say you're treated as a non-resident, then you don't get any of these reliefs. You get a flat, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's a flat 30%. You know, you're taxed at the 30% rate. You know, that's it. What if your income is inconsistent? Say that you, you're freelancing as their kind of like main uh, source of income. How does that work? Yeah, if you're in the gig economy, I think then you've got to ask yourself, you're not employed anymore. You're self-employed. You know, you're actually already... If you're, so you've got two sets of income. You may be working during the day nine to five as the employment income for which you get a form EA from your employer. That comes in, you're treated like an employment income. But once you have, you know, and usually what you do is if you have small amounts of gig income, you don't go and say, I'm running a major business, you know. So you just bring it in by the 15th of May and declare that income. 
And if you are in the gig economy, like for example, you're a grab driver or if you're selling, you have any platforms that you do, you bring in income, you can offset the business expense. But technically speaking, once that business grows, then you shouldn't be filing a B form by 15th of May. You should be looking at actually filing a BE form by 30th of June because you will have a separate source, which is a business source, and you have employment income, you know. So in that instance, the employment income together with this uh, business income goes into the 30th June filing. You know, you then file it because you have two sets of income. You don't file two returns, you just file one return, you know, so you defer the return to 30th June. But generally, I would say most gig economy, because they're not really running a major business, you know, it's just a side income. I would advise those who are, you know, doing that, you know, if you're just a part-time grab driver, et cetera, bring it into the 15th of May filing and uh, declare that income, less your expenses, you know. Before you prepare the tax return, if you're doing it yourself, it's not complicated, but don't jump in and go into the e-filing system. I think you, you put all this to a paper, uh, keep the employment income separate on a one sheet of paper. Another sheet of paper, I will actually look at my gig economy that I'm doing, you know, which I'm involved in, say, grab. So I've got my income, then I've got my petrol expenses and all these. Put it down on paper as a deduction because these are wholly ex deductible expenses to earn this income. Then you have the net amount. Because when you start opening the e-filing, you can only put in the net amounts. You, know, you can't actually file and say, this is my income, less expenses, all that. There's no space in that return. So if you put it manually, keep it aside. So when you then enter, you enter the net amounts you know, into the amounts you know, as other income. And you bring it to tax. At the end of the day, you're paying tax. You're paying legitimately. And check your numbers. And please allocate maybe half a day. Don't be frightened about it. At least half a day because you need to find the receipts for all these expenses and compile them. So that tomorrow when there is an audit, you can very easily just take one bundle, you know, you can keep one file for each year and just take that file and actually show it to the tax officials and Onky Dory, you've done your job, you know, you won't have any problem. Yeah, so I'm curious to ask, what is the auditing process like? Say that you file the taxes, let's say if LHDN wants to audit you, how does that process work? Uh, Generally, how they don't come to most, you know, they don't come to most individuals and audit because there is too many, you know, they pick if you have certainly spike in your income in one year, you know, or if there's a significant drop in your income, let's say you're declaring 150,000 one year, and then another year you come and declare 25,000. Of course, the system picks up. Automatically, the system in the Inland Revenue will pick up and say there's a massive drop. Do look into this individual, you know, or if there is a massive spike, you know, they will also pick it up. So, and then they do random checking also, you know, they do random checking because they just pick up. It's all picked up in the system. Uh, they they have you know, artificial intelligence and, you know, and they have a fantastic system and they pick up and they actually send the cases. And so when you are audited, they will ask you, you know, okay, please justify your reliefs and your deductions. And so all you need is actually the copies, you know, soft copies or hard copies of your receipts of the payments you have made or if you have not got the receipts, actually, if you've gone into, like you say, Speeda or not Speeda, uh, Shopee and somewhere else, you have the documents, you know, that you have gone in, purchased the item, you've got evidence of that. Usually it's not a problem, you know. Um, when it comes to insurance, they want you to show the insurance policy. 
uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, your child relief, for example, if your child is there, you've got to prove that your child is below the age of 18, so you claim your 2,000. If your child is studying in a local university, you can claim up to 8,000. You know, if he is above the age of 18, then you've got to prove that you've actually got receipts. So at the end of the day, you've got to keep receipts. My advice is every year keep one file for that particular year. And uh, of course, you keep your bank statements. That's very important. I'll also keep the credit card statements because that's also additional proof. So uh, in an audit, I think usually they will ask you in a letter form. You can reply. But my advice, the Malaysian style, is if they call you for an audit, please go to the Inland Revenue, make an appointment, see them, and sort the issue face-to-face. It's so much easier than trying to write because if you write and if they don't and they don't understand your letter, you will have problems. You know? So my advice, my old fashioned way is actually I'll just go there, deal with the officers and explain to them, show them the records. And if they have an issue, go back and search more records and give it to them. Usually when you see them, they're extremely polite. I tell you, the IRB is very polite, so do not to worry at all. How forgiving is the IRB to mistakes? Say you miss or you made a mistake of your filing by a couple of hundred ringgit. You've made some honest mistakes in your filing. How forgiving is IRB to it if you are being audited at that moment? They're nice people, but unfortunately the law, you know, they will make that adjustment and there will be a penalty added on, you know. And you can appeal and say, can you please, you know, and that's their discretion. Usually... Uh, the penalties, and then you can appeal for it and tell them reasons why. But if it's just that you have not done your job properly, you know, you have not added the arithmetic together, or you have overclaimed, and it's only a few hundred ringgits, these penalties, I'm afraid, will still be applicable. I mean, they're nice people, but they don't have the power. And the only person who has the power, you can write to the Director General of Income Tax, he has the power to remit. He has the power to remit the penalty, you know, but he has no power to remit the tax. Only the Minister of Finance has a, you know, the power to remit the tax. So the penalty, yes, he can bring it down to zero. You can write and they will usually reduce penalties. You know, they'll be lenient on that. You know, they're not going to put you in jail or anything like that. It's not, you know, I think most individuals don't. But the only people I would want is there are people out there there's a small group of people who think that they don't have to file any tax return, uh, who, who couldn't care two hoots about any of these tax returns, and then they just say, let's wait, you know, that's, now that's wrong. Those are the kind of people where I think the Inland Revenue will go down hard on them, who have never been filing their tax returns, despite receiving a lot of income. And, you know, there are also fairly wealthy individuals, and etc. please, if you're listening in, you know, you're generally, many of you, there are people who do not actually pay attention to the benefits kind. Because usually you are working as a director of a company or an owner of a company and all that. And generally, you know, you, you are receiving a lot of benefits. You, know, you may be getting a car, you may be getting a house, you may be getting a gardener, etc., etc. And there is a tendency, I can tell you, there is a lot of people who do not declare the benefits in kind and perquisites that they receive correctly in their returns. These are for the high income individuals, I'll say, watch it. Now, that is serious, you know, because you have consistently not been declaring your returns correctly and the amounts are large. Usually these are large amounts. You may have five cars and six cars in the name of the company and you're enjoying it and you decide not to declare those as benefits in kind. You may be living in a company house, company-owned house, and you don't declare that. 
or you declare incorrectly. So I would say to the high net worth individuals, you have to be careful. Please don't think you can get away from the system. The system will catch up with you at some point in time. That's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. That was Tanya Malai Somasundram, the Managing Director of Tani's Tax Consulting Services. Remember, the deadline is in a couple of days. Uh, head over to their website. It will be linked on the podcast description. I'm Simwi Boon from The Morning Run. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We've got the 10am news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.